Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Helix mattresses have been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You can take the Helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10-15 to year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash drink. That's helixsleep.com slash drink. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Sorry. <gasps> I feel like a kid that's like about to give a presentation that he has no You're idea like, oh, about. Listen, we just flew in from Los Angeles, and boy, are my arms tired. Fun fact, he was a wonton. <gasps> listen, English is my first language. Is Tamara home? Sassy with me, Sassy the Clown. The clown is showing. Ooh, cool. sweet that boo. Finish your drink, Adam. <laughs> and that's why we drink! Hello, hello, hello. Ohio! I'm so happy! Welcome kind of home. (laughs) Almost, almost there, but this is my first Ohio show ever, and I'm so excited. Ooh, that's heavy. I'm not that strong. Have you been having fun so far? Guys, I've been home. Um, I've the been, end. Yep. <laughs> I've been uh, sleeping and drinking wine with my mom, so it's been good. <laughs> Who's here, by the way? Oh, my mom. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, and I also made Blaze fly to Ohio with me, so he's here somewhere too. So they're bonding. They've all probably left already. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> They'll be waiting in the parking lot. Right. When I uh, was in high school, my stepdad drove me to Columbus. The first time I ever went to Columbus was, like, freshman year of high school. My stepdad drove me up for a Fall Out Boy concert. And <laughs> Unsurprising. Uh, no, not surprising at all. And my friend Renee, who's at OSU Law here, she uh, came with me, and my stepdad drove me up, and then drove us up, dropped us off, and then waited in the parking lot with earplugs in for, like, two hours. <laughs> That's the most stepdad thing in the whole world. <laughs> but I will say that time in Columbus was great, and this one might be even better. So let's oh, see. Oh, good. And that is saying something. <laughs> yeah, you're headlining just like Fall Out Boy. You're exactly the, the same. same. Mom, I told you I'd do something cool someday. Uh, I've never been here. So Welcome. <laughs> thank you. I'm having a, a good time. I uh, Actually, so I was in this exact spot yesterday with Eva we were trying to explore and we ended up coming to this is like a near a mall right 
Yeah, we we walked the hell out of this mall yesterday. That's Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were uh, figuring out how to get here, and Eva was like, so we were there yesterday, and we've seen it all, so I felt the need to let you know that I did eat Grater's ice cream yesterday. Yay! And then I forced Eva to also eat Grater's ice cream. Cause you the, forced her. The first time I had it was at your wedding. Right. We um, did serve Grater's ice cream at my wedding. <laughs> that is not a joke. As well as Skyline Chili. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I had a great time eating ice cream yesterday, and then I also went to the Hot Topic here. I recommend the Avengers section. (laughs) That part I did not necessarily put on our to-do list, but sure, good. But Eva also found a shirt with, uh, it looks like like a retro neon. I thought it was like a Grateful Dead shirt. It's just a bunch of cats. It's not. Don't get excited. (laughs) It's a bunch of cats in like uh, space helmets, and it says Meowder Space. So Eva's having a good time here, too. So... Ohio is treating us well. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I'm trying to show off, so. Job well done with your ice cream. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, That being said, let's crack into it. Yay! Good, good. Good. Also waiting for the day people are like, "Mm, no, please don't. So this is, I have things to say. Well, it's good thing I'm here, huh? What else is new? Uh, So... I'm nervous that I may have done this before, and I'm really hoping that's not the case. Um, <laughs> well, I won't know, so. I, I looked everywhere, like, through all of our episodes, and according to our episode guide, I've never covered it, but it still sounds, like, creepily familiar. Uh-oh. So, In another world, perhaps. So, uh, if I have done it, I'm sorry. Uh, Just clap anyway and pretend. We're super anxious I, people. I do have anxiety, so yeah. clapping would, would bode well for yeah. me. Whoa. Oh. Wow. I haven't even said the name yet. That was easy. <laughs> wow. Okay, keep that going this whole time. Okay. Uh, so this is the story of the Mansfield Reformatory. Okay. AKA also the Ohio State Reformatory. And I know it's an hour from here. Wait, I Google mapped it. That does it. sound familiar. Have I done it before? No. Oh, I hear people chanting I know. yes, and my anxiety is going bananas. I was bananas. like, let's go. It's fine. But... All, All right. right. All right. It's good. Damn. <laughs> Shit. Well, okay. Eva! I'll keep help. going then. Uh, okay, good. So good some start, of you are from start. the other world where I did cover it already. Yeah. That's great. Um, so this was a banana story, so I'm oh. very excited to share it. Sometimes... Okay. Not that we ever, I ever like get any like bad stories, but this one I'm actually pretty stoked about more okay. than others. So, lots of ground to cover. So, welcome to history class with me. <laughs> so, this is apparently the most haunted place in Ohio. Shit. So you came on a good night. Okay. Um, some say it is the one of the most haunted places in the United States. It has been featured on many. They seem like that's really okay. Ohio, that's cool. I'm trying to get brownie points with M here. Look, oh no. That's awesome. I'll tell you, I'll be like, oh no, it was so cool. That was so interesting. (laughs) So, uh, it has been featured on many TV shows and movies, including, but not limited to, Harry and Walter go to New York, Tango and Cash, Air Force One, Scariest Stories on Earth, Scariest Places on Earth, Ghost Hunters, Lil Wayne, Lil... Lil Wayne's music video, yes. Go DJ. Yes. 
Fallen Angels, Ghost Adventures, <laughs> Ghost Hunters Academy, Inside Secret America, Destination America, but it is best known for Shawshank Redemption. Oh! Oh my God, I had no idea. No? No. Well, you're going to learn some shit. Okay. So it apparently was a, it was like a major set in okay. the film Shawshank cool. Redemption. So I love that movie. Oh, well, g- g- good. Because we're going to talk about it. So I'm trying to prove my American <laughs> pop culture knowledge. <laughs> I'm up to date. I'm up to it with 1993 movies. Yep. <laughs> uh, okay, so 1860s. Let's travel back. Oh, boy. I remember. Fondly. Yeah. The 1860s. Uh, the property was originally a training camp during the Civil War called Camp Mordecai Bartley. Ooh, ah. <laughs> if you don't do it, I will. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's okay. Oh, um, that's going to be a long night. So apparently, fun fact. Uh, just keep going, Christine. Oh, I've been going Apparently for a while. it's called Camp Mordecai Barley after uh, the first Ohio governor to come from Mansfield. Okay. Good. I had to read it, so you have to hear it. So... <laughs> In 1867, so six years later, Mansfield was chosen as the build site for, quote, Intermediate Penitentiary, which was the original name. Fun fact? I don't know. Half a drink, a sip, if you will. All right. Uh, so Intermediate Penitentiary was going to be 180 acres, and it ends up costing $1.3 million. Oh, my. The architects and designers decided to settle on three different design styles for this penitentiary. Uh, And all three of them combined were supposed to intimidate but encourage the inmates. Oh, my God. This sounds like a 2019 Instagram campaign. Like, (laughs) everybody's sitting down, like, buzzwords, keywords. Right, right. It it was supposed to intimidate them into taking their time in prison seriously. I think being in prison is enough. I don't think you need to work very hard on that, yeah. (laughs) But also to encourage them to become spiritually reborn. Oh, for God's sakes. So there's that. It was built to look like a castle because they wanted it to look extra intimidating, apparently. The intimidation factor was more important than the encouragement, I think. Yeah. Shocker. <laughs> uh, it was built to look like a castle and was considered a gift if you were an inmate that got sentenced to oh, be there on. compared to other facilities because it looked cool, truly. <laughs> it's like the Hogwarts of prisons. It, yeah. I get and it. that would be the title of this episode. <laughs> That's how we do it, folks. <laughs> so uh, apparently rumor has it that when the first prisoners came to this facility, the townspeople lined the streets handing them cigars as congratulatory gifts for being selected as the wizards of Hogwarts, if you will. (laughs) The prisoners. The prisoners of Azkaban. Yeah. Shit, now we're just going to start, like, challenging each other on Harry Potter Now J.K. Rowling's going to get pissed. (laughs) She's like, that's not what I meant! Okay. Uh, So, apparently, can you believe it? It wasn't too great to live there. Um, (laughs) Despite the cigars. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you got cigars day one. And then day two, apparently it was very behind in its construction, but since they had already assigned people to be moving in, they were moving them into a facility that was not entirely finished. So part of your job when you were an inmate there was to help finish construction of the jail you're in. That's terrible. 
And it took 14 years oh, after shit. people moved in. So in 1919, it was finally complete. And fun fact. M, I swear to God. It had the... Lar- the facility had the largest self-supporting steel cell block in the world. So there were 600 cells on six stories. Ooh, ah. Ooh, ah. <laughs> so it was supposed to originally be a mid-level, moderate security prison for first-time offenders. So the goal was mainly rehabilitation. And at the when it first started, it was very progressive for its time. It also had vocational schooling on sites so that we could learn a trade. So when you went back out into society, you would have a, a whole skill set. Which in the early 1900s, late 1800s was like a big deal. Sure. The facility was self-sustaining, so they produced their own food and their own clothes and all that. And they have records saying that 90% of the inmates did not re-offend after being there. So it was doing pretty hot. I was going to say, I get excited every time you get to this point of a story. I'm I'm like, like, here's the the top of the hill. Yeah. We're about to cascade down. (laughs) And then you you heartily push me down the other side. (laughs) And then I kick you as hard as I can. If thinking about salsa in a variety of delicious flavors and heat levels makes your mouth water, you need to check out Green Mountain Gringo. And make sure to turn the jar around and take a look at its clean backside, a list of its all-natural ingredients. Of course, that's what I meant, of course. And all their products are preservative-free, too. With the medium salsa, you get hearty chunks of tomatoes, tomatillos, peppers, and onions in every scoop. I'm reading the ad and my mouth is watering. Uh, Anyway, the hot salsa brings flavorful heat to every meal with each bite containing jalapenos, serrano peppers, and other savory herbs. Plus, they've got a hot sauce with a tangy, spicy flavor that enhances the simplest of meals. It's perfect for avocado egg toast or tacos. I sort of feel like they're reading my mind because I put salsa on almost everything, but specifically, I use their salsa. I use usually the medium salsa and then uh, also the hot sauce on my avocado egg toast. And I don't know how the script knew that maybe everybody eats this but i always make toast with avocado and then i put scrambled eggs on top and i put salsa i can't eat it without salsa and the green mountain gringo is always there for me in the fridge because it really adds to i mean any meal if you're me but definitely the eggs avocado toast situation visit greenmountaingringo.com and start shopping use the store locator to find green mountain gringo products get inspiration for recipes and purchase products using promo code podcast 24 for 20 percent off that's promo code podcast 24 and don't forget to check out their backside <laughs> and that's why we drink is sponsored by squarespace squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your terms. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I don't know this for a fact, but it's my opinion that there is no easier way to build a website than Squarespace because of this drag-and-drop technology. It gets better every year, and it is just, you when you think it can't get any better and easier, it does. I've been using Squarespace <laughs> since 2017, um, and in that time, they have just proven themselves to be the best and easiest way to make a website. So anytime I make a website for any reason, that's where I go. When you're ready to get started, you can use one of Squarespace's professional website templates with designs for every category, and then you can customize it. You can customize the look, add new content, add features to fit your unique needs. It's just a great spot to have a landing page for you, for your business, for whatever it is you're trying to market or showcase. Squarespace is the best platform to use, in my opinion. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. 
And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So I'm ready. So things are looking hot in 1919. We got a whole Great. hundred years. The in, end. Yep. No. Okay. So 1891. In 1891, so this was a couple years before, but I just wanted to throw this in. In the 1890s, it was named to be Ohio State Reformatory. That's where the name came from. Okay. So they changed it once people started actually moving in. In the same year, there was a woman who lived across the street from the facility in a farmhouse. Her name was Phoebe Wise. Oh boy. Phoebe? And she's here tonight. <laughs> so she's not, I wouldn't say she's the main character of this story, but she's definitely a fun one, so I wanted to give her a second. Okay. So Phoebe, people thought that she was rich because she didn't trust banks. It gets more fun, don't worry. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> following. Oh, fuck, I forgot. Because, because she didn't trust uh, banks, people assumed that she had a lot of money hidden in her house, and so she became a uh, victim of frequent robbery. Oh, my God. And she was right across the street from the facility, so she, they got used to her walking there to like report every time that her house got broken into. <laughs> and uh, at one point, there were even, uh, this is like the main story people tell, that this happened on Christmas Eve, Three men broke into her house, tied her to a chair, and lit a torch under her feet. Ugh. What? Demanding the treasure, quote. What the fuck? She did not have treasure. No. And so she, like, lied and said that there was a diamond ring or something. And they went looking, couldn't find it, so they just left the house. So she had to untie herself, and she walked to the jail, and I'm sure they were like, what do you want, Phoebe? Poor Phoebe! And she was like, it happened again. But this was the story that was, like, I guess the scariest of them all. And so she became a local celebrity, which got the attention of a guy named Jacob, and he ended up becoming her new stalker. I was like, husband? Oh, no. No. The opposite. I thought we were going love story. We did not. I think he thinks he's a husband. I guess. But So uh, he would show up at her house at night. He would tap on her window. He would knock on the door, and he would watch her through her windows. Nah. And uh, she reported him many times, and eventually they even arrested him, and they put him away temporarily, and then he came back, and he was even more aggressive with his stalking. And then one night he was, uh, like, throwing rocks at a window that you do. It's, it's supposed to be romantic, but also if I had a glass window and you're throwing rocks at it, I'd be like, stop fucking doing that. <laughs> but he would throw through, like, pebbles at the window for her to open the window, and Great. then he called up to her, and he said... Phoebe, marry me or kill me. So she pointed a rifle through the window. (laughs) And she shot him. And since then, stalking laws have changed dramatically. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, for the 1890s, she was, it was very progressive how they handled it. They were like, no, he was being a total asshat. We're not going to arrest you. You're totally fine. All right. And then they even they interviewed her in the Mansfield News Journal the next day, and the uh, headline was "Phoebe Wise rids herself of an intolerable nuisance." <laughs> it sounds like they're talking about like buying like weed killer right. and <laughs> spraying her lawn. <laughs> weed killer named Jacob. An intolerable nuisance. So that was fun, oh wasn't my. it? Okay. What a fun time we've had. Uh, 
So after she died in 1933, so several years later from probably in her sleep peacefully, I don't know. Um, <laughs> okay. Locals believe that she still had treasure in there. They didn't quit on this. Oh, my God. And so they began breaking into her house and tearing apart the floors and walls. But when they started doing that, apparently there also started this rumor that not only was she hiding treasure, but also she was a witch. Oh, because, sure, obviously. Because if you think of all the traumatic shit that had been happening to her when she was alive, she was described. And by the way, let's see who else can uh, fit into this category, a.k.a. Uh-oh. you and me. Uh-oh. They thought she was a witch because of these things. Okay. She only stayed in her house, talked to her <laughs> animals. Uh-oh. <laughs> all right, I'm out. <laughs> shouted loudly. Uh-huh. And liked wearing lazy attire. Oh my god. So I guess we're all witches. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I guess we knew that was coming eventually. So uh, the local children think that it's now, the Phoebe Wise house is also a witch house, uh-huh. and somewhere on the property is still oh treasure. Oh my god. Okay. Even in her death, she's like, Jesus, I just wanted to be left alone with my animals. Mm-hmm. So, I wanted to shout with my animals. Anyway, that was a. Cr- I, I, I promise there's like a crossover between that story and this later, but that was across the street from the jail. So now we're going to go back to the oh, jail. Oh, I love that though. Thank I'm, you. That's why I kept it in, man. Thank you. So back to the reformatory where it gets nice inside. So I hope you all had fun. Yep. It's over. Stop laughing. <laughs> in the 1960s, uh, the reformatory was getting overcrowded, and there became a conflict. Pretty, It was more regular than usual that there was conflict happening between the cells, um, because now there was three to six times as many people in each cell. Uh-oh. In the 1970s, because they had put so many people in there, including more dangerous, hardened criminals than first-time offenders, it was now declared a max security prison. Mm. And now the prison's focus had shifted from reform to just punishment, Uh-oh. and it got a reputation for its punishment being considered inhumane conditions. Oh, no. Uh, including extreme violence between inmates, excessive daily shankings and beatings. Oh, the fuck? Which I didn't add this, but I'm going to say it now. Great. I love when this happens. Off script. We... <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> So we, we've talked before about how much we love slash hate the show uh, Scariest Places on Earth. Oh, yes. And which is, this Two has, people have heard of it, so yeah, that's good. good. If you haven't, go home and scare the shit out of yourself tonight. It's very frightening. Um, so this show was featured on there, and they, one former inmate told a story where he, they were in like the barber section, right. and a guy that was cutting one of the inmates' hair, well, all of the hairs, um, <laughs> It sounded weird coming out of my mouth. What if this was just a dad joke? You were like preparing the whole time for just a stupid dad joke. No, it it gets darker. I'm glad. (laughs) I'm glad that made you laugh because the second part's gonna be okay. It's gonna be a real bummer. Um, Sorry. So, uh, the barber apparently, the inmate owed the barber a pack of cigarettes, and then uh, the inmate was like, "Well, I'm not gonna give you those," and so. Mid cutting his hair, the barber took a straight edge <laughs> to his neck. To and then apparently it did so much damage that uh, the guy tried to run away and only got down the hall before uh, his whole head fell off. What the fuck, Em? It started as a dad joke. Uh oh. <laughs> it, it went a different direction though. Just a little bit, yeah. 
So when I say extreme violence, I'm not saying like punched in the face. I'm saying like really dark, gruesome shit like that. So great. That was happening on a daily basis. Super. Not that specifically, but shit that gruesome. The barber was just like <laughs> the barber on was it. like was, Sweeney Todd was working there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he just wanted a cigarette. <laughs> he just wanted a cigarette. Also, the uh, reformatory was dealing with poor nutrition for everyone, pest infestations between rats and roaches. Super, super. Uh, the infirmary was apparently a joke. So the people who went there just got neglected and disease just Ugh. got worse and worse. And they didn't separate anyone from Ugh. each other. And so everyone started getting sick. Right. Occasionally, inmates would also get thrown over the catwalks on higher floors and thrown to the bottom of the of the like to the first floor of the jail. Mm. And then there was torture. Oh, that sounds like the sequel to our podcast. And then there was torture. <laughs> and that's why we drank. Oh, but wait, that's the sequel. <laughs> but wait, there's more. Uh, there's some sort of torture called the butterfly. Uh, I don't like it. I don't know what it is. I, I don't looked. like it. Here's the thing. No. All I found out was that it's a type of electro torture. And then I Googled butterfly electro torture. Uh -uh. And what I got were a lot of interesting sex toys. Which, like, you do you, but, like, I'd never seen that stuff before. Em and I are very sheltered. <laughs> I kind of wanted to like screenshot it and send it to you, but then I was like, that's a bad idea. That would, <laughs> I'd have to do a lot of explaining They already first. have enough on us. So you don't need to get right, right, more, right. more ammo. So I'm guessing that was not the type of thing that they were doing in the jail. Um, Probably would have been a little better if it was. But yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, I guess truly you have to use your imagination because Google images did not help. So Great. butterfly electro torture. Then uh, people were also tortured with water hoses. There was also a sweat box, uh -uh. which was a truly a metal box that sat next to, or that was in the boiler room, so it would get up to 120 degrees, mm -mm. and you were in there barefoot uh -uh. and pretty much entirely naked, and Ugh. you just burned and burned. Great. Yes. Thanks, Em. Yeah. Love it. Look, you guys wanted to come here. I... It's always a toss-up what I'm going to say. You, you took the risk, so. Fair. Uh, and then the final slash most common torture was the hole, mm. uh, which was uh, just really awful solitary confinement. Um, ironically, the chapel in this uh, jail was also an execution room. Oh, superb. And many people were tortured and hanged there. What the fuck? Many people also died by suicide. One in particular that I, in every single article and feature on TV, they all talked about this one suicide in cell 13 where an inmate named James Lockhart, he doused himself with stolen turpentine and paint thinner <gasps> and set himself on fire. Uh. Uh, 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 uh. And his cellmates tried to drag him to the infirmary, but his body was peeling off in chunks. Oh, God! M. I'm sorry. I didn't like it either. I'm just trying to educate. We're doing this for you. <laughs> I'm doing this so you look really smart the next time chunks of skin get brought up. All right. <laughs> okay, moving on. La, 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 la. So, Obviously, several people died here, is the next thing I had to fucking say, apparently. Uh, up to 215 people died here. They are all buried outside in a cemetery right next to the property. 
Um, two of the bodies that are also guards who died while on their shift. One in the 1920s was shot by an inmate, and another in the 1930s during an escape attempt was bludgeoned to death by inmates. Oh, no. And then in 1948, there was another prop- another murder on the property, but not actually in the jail. It was the superintendent of the farm, because remember, it was a self-sustaining mm-hmm. um, property. So the farm superintendent and his wife and daughter all lived on the property, they ended up being kidnapped and shot in the woods <gasps> by the? two people that were on parole. Uh, they were known as the Mad Dog Killers. Ugh. And they planned the murder for years after they drunkenly started talking about different things that had happened to them in the jail and realized that the uh, superintendent they were both talking about that tortured them was the same person. Oh, shit. And they decided they were going to kill him and his family. So. Oh, shit. Okay. So in the 1950s, there was a new superintendent named Arthur, and apparently he was very well respected. Everyone liked him. In the 1950s, he had already been working there for 20 years, and he lived in the administration area with his wife, Helen. Uh, He actually tried his best to personally improve the conditions the best he could. He would play music for the inmates. Um, He tried to get to know each of them personally. He also started playing slow music on the speakers to keep the inmates calm. Okay. Um, so he was doing what he could, I guess. <laughs> Which good for him. Sure. Uh, better than anything else you've said so far. No, so far we like we like him the entire time. We okay. don't have to like oh, be on good. edge. I, I really We I just was, like Arthur. That's all. I was prepared for him and Helen to really go in my shit list, but No. I'm glad. Uh well one day they were gonna go on a date and Helen was looking for her jewelry box in the closet. Uh oh. And she knocked over a loaded gun. Um and it went off and shot her in the chest, and she died three days later. Listen, I thought... Yeah, that was a game changer, because I, th- I also, when I first started reading about it, I thought it was gonna, we were going to hate Arthur. But apparently, a lot of um, inmates also, because gossip spread, and they all thought that he actually shot her and tried to cover it up. Oh, no. So he went from really well-respected to people calling him murderer, and oh, it's no. really awful. Um, so, But he ended up trying to keep working there and then in his office he ended up dying of a heart attack so but both of them died on the property i see where that's going yes hint hint wink wink i finally figured their story's not has not ended (laughs) so yes so they both died on the property and then back to the hole real quick oh Uh, great i was waiting to go back yeah couldn't wait super so like i said it's a type of solitary confinement um but it's in total darkness in a dungeon People were starved and only allowed to eat every three days. Oh, shit. They had to sleep on concrete floors. Like I said, there was rats and roaches that infested the area. And uh, this, is Im- this is important for like the next thing I'm going to say, but just to have it in your mind. There were only 20 cells, and they were built so that only one person could fit in each cell. Mm. Okay? So in 1957, <laughs> there was a riot that broke out among 120 inmates, and all of them got punished by being put in the hole which means there were six men per cell. Oh, fuck. And something that was meant for one person. Uh-oh. Um, and they were all stuck down there for a month without anybody checking on them. Oh. What? So the guards also accidentally paired up two of the most violent inmates in the same cell. Great. And apparently when they fought, the guards heard but decided they weren't going to go down there. And one was killed... And they didn't find out until that month had passed because they didn't want to go check. Uh, 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 uh. And they found the body stuffed in the bedding 
But so, uh, oh fuck, that's the most violent of several deaths that happened in the hole. Um, Someone's like, okay. Everyone's good. like, I, I get it. I'm here. Got okay. It. Like I said, the infirmary was no better. There was a lot of neglect, and a lot of people actually starved there because they couldn't fight off the inmates that would just walk in and steal their food. Oh, shit, I didn't think of that. Um, And then in 1978, the Council for Human Dignity filed a lawsuit for inhumane conditions. I'm glad that exists. Finally. (laughs) It's apparently a branch of the ACLU. Oh, great. So, they're okay. Yeah, yay. We like them. (laughs) Yay. I think. I do. I certainly do. So, (laughs) in the... that was in 1978, but then it still took them eight more years until the prison was forced to be closed. And then due to delays, they didn't actually even close it for another four years. So this lawsuit came out in 1978, and it didn't oh close God. until 1990. 1990? Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Okay. The building was supposed to be torn down, but then a little movie called Shawshank Redemption was starting up. <laughs> you know, the one that I've seen. Yeah. And the location scouts were looking at a whole bunch of different prisons to film the movie at. And they were like, oh, I like this one. It's empty. We can use this. This sounds like a good deal. (laughs) And because the movie became so big, it made the building itself kind of famous. And so after the movie, preservationists convinced the state of Ohio to not tear down any more of it that they already had. So the front of the building and a lot of the cell blocks have been saved. Okay. Um, in 1995, uh, the Mansfield Reformatory Preservation Society was formed, so they turned the prison into a museum, oh. and they're trying to restore the building to its original state, so it's open almost year-round, and then they give a series of tours, okay. um, including yeah, the yeah. Shawshank Trail Tour. Yes! <laughs> which is behind-the-scenes stories and scene locations. Ooh, ah. They were ready for that one. <laughs> Uh, a Halloween-themed tour called The Haunted Prison Experience. I like it. Actually, wait. Now I don't like that. Well, you don't because there's also animatronics there, no. apparently. Absolutely not. They also offer public and private ghost hunts, ghost walks for children. <laughs> they also host ghost hunting classes. Yes. And then they also host special ghost events where famous ghost hunters can be your tour guide for the Uh, night. I thought you were going to say famous ghosts were there. And I was like, yes. (laughs) But that's just, that's second best. Yeah. No, I I mean, ideally they'll start that one up next. Yeah. I'm hoping. Well, they offer three different guided ghost tours specifically called History Meets Hollywood. Uh, beyond the bars, and apparently an inmate tour where the tour guides are actual former inmates. Oh, that's cool. And there's a quote that says, one of the tour guides here was here in the 1960s and another one's in the 1980s, so their tours are a little different because even though they were from the same cell block, they lived here under different laws, (gasps) so they give the history better than most. Weird, weird, weird. Super cool. That is cool. Also, uh, Some people are very excited about this. Uh, including me. <laughs> the building also hosts a music and tattoo festival. What? Cool. A murder mystery dinner theater. Yes. A beer fest. I'm moving back home, Mom. <laughs> and the Shawshank Hustle, which is a 7K run, which I will not fucking oh, be no. at. <laughs> Sorry, Mom, I'm not moving back home. Never mind. But anyway, so they're ba- like they're just thinking of business plans, and they're like, "That'll do, that'll do, that'll do." So, <laughs> apparently, anything you want to do there—from music to tattoos to it's ghosts to beer to running—you can all do it all there. It's another one of those 2019 Instagram, like, "All right, sure, let's go this way <laughs> and that way," and buzzword. It's and very much a choose-your-own adventure. 
So that is the history of the reformatory. Okay. So now on to the ghosts. Oh, yay. So the administration area, which I think outside of the cell blocks and the front of the building is the only part left that has not been taken down, so you can mm-hmm. still visit. I'm doing this in by room, just so you guys... I tried to keep it organized because there was a lot of nonsense going on. I... <laughs> There was a, a lot of things in a lot of places, so I was like, I'm just going to keep this, you know, for me, mentally sane. <laughs> okay. If that's what we're going to call it. So, the administration area, people have reported seeing shadow people. Uh-uh. They have heard voices and footsteps. They have sensed uh, being watched directly in their face and from afar. So, it's interesting that it's different. Yeah, I wonder if they're two different entities or, like, some days he's just more pissed. <laughs> He's a little more ballsy. He's just going to get it close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We'll talk about it later. Yeah, we'll talk about uh. it. Um, people have also felt gusts of cold air hit them in the face. Great. That's better than other things <laughs> hitting you in the face. So, This is very true. <laughs> people have also heard a man and a woman whispering to each other. Uh, they've also smelled roses, which was Helen's perfume. And keep in mind, Helen and Arthur, they lived in the admin area. Oh, got it. So right. this would be where they probably haunt. And they both anywhere. died there, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you can smell roses, which was Helen's perfume. You can also smell cigars. Which Helen was knew his... how to party. No, oh. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that was his perfume. If we're going by like the binary stereotype, I'm sure that was Arthur's gig was cigars. Yeah. Um, Helen has also been seen walking to her bathroom, which apparently is now known as the pink bathroom. Aww. And people can see misty apparitions where the shower used to be. Uh-oh. Ah, interesting. Well, okay, questionable, but okay. This, uh, so I got this from a article, obviously. I mean, I didn't just think it. Um, <laughs> I made saying, it all up. <laughs> I'm just saying in the attic specifically, there was only one thing I found, and it was one quote and I'm quoting exactly how it was said. I did not make this up. So for the attic, all I have is, quote, let's just say a very well-known paranormal celebrity had an experience up there and refused to go back in. I'm not going to say who it was. I'll just say that he grabbed his scarf and walked right out. <laughs> we can neither confirm nor deny it was bagel bites, but I sure would like to imagine that, so... Who the hell else has a scarf that they're flinging around? I don't know. Maybe it was Aaron <laughs> or Nick. Oh, the, the his little his, his minions. Little minions. Maybe. Yeah. They didn't say anything. They said a paranormal celebrity, and I mean, only one comes to mind. Yeah. So the scarf threw me, but also I'm not really no! surprised by oh my it God, either. The scarf does not throw me. Okay. Well. Anyway, that's all we have for the attic. So. Uh, so Zach was in the attic. Yes. Okay. I'll probably, go on record. I know you so. won't. I'll go. Uh, in the basement, so the basement, this is where things start getting cr- extra creepy. Okay. So there are supposedly two different entities who are down there. One is very nice. One is not. Uh-oh. Even when it was a running facility, the basement was avoided at all costs by staff. They did not want to be there, especially when they started seeing a little boy down there. Mm-mm. Apparently there is a shadow figure of a boy running and or hiding. Mm-mm. I don't know which is worse. Apparently, when he Both. runs... <laughs> yes. When you get the combo pack, that's yeah. the worst. Exactly. Apparently, when he runs, he runs as if he's in fear and running away from something. Oh, God. And when he's hiding, obviously, he's trying to hide from whatever oh he's running Oh, God. Uh, cell doors slam on their own. People have heard tapping noises on the cell walls. 
apparently uh why is i don't know why that's in the basement but okay um oh oh, oh because the basement was also where the hole was oh Got super it. people have sensed a malicious presence down there staring at them from the corner of the room Mm-mm. uh flashlights have stopped working the worst time for a flashlight <laughs> to stop working People sense being choked. No. There's an apparition of a guard with, quote, sinister vibes that stares at you and sways. That's very specific. The worst. (laughs) Uh, People also feel a cold breeze down here, and they hear whispers in their ears when Mm. nobody's next to them. Mm -mm. Psychics have spoken to a spirit down there that said that they were 14 years old, so it could be the little boy, who says that inmates cornered him and beat him to death oh. down here. Oh, God. So he could have been a child of a staff member or something like that. Um, there's also one investigation team has caught an EVP of a boy saying, hey. Um, hey. And then another... <laughs> back at you. And, uh, All right. Another EVP of saying, where are you going? Oh, so. well, that's a little worse. Yeah. So then the cell blocks, um, especially the, uh, the sixth floor, happens to be the most haunted, apparently. So apparently, whatever spirit happens to be in this room, there is only one chair in that room, and it hates when you touch its chair. Which sounds like me in, like, I was going to say five years, but more like five minutes. I've, like, <laughs> if someone's in my chair, like, if you didn't call fives, get out. If someone touches your chicken wings, if someone touches your... Anything, really. Yeah. Yeah. Food or comfort, don't touch it, if yeah. it's mine. Please, please, manners get you far. Manners get you... Yeah. I literally growl, please don't touch that. <laughs> Poor Eva. (laughs) Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. So, uh... There, obviously, there's a chair in the room, and it doesn't like when you move it at all. A lot of people have just picked it up and placed it in a different part of the room. But no matter what, when you leave, you will, you're still on the stairs to go down, and you will hear Mm-mm. above you the chair sliding back to nah. its original place. I don't like that. 
There was one guy who didn't believe it, and so I love when skeptics think that they're going to be way cool and then it doesn't work. Uh, one guy said he was going to go up there and provoke the spirit. Oh, super. And I'm sure all of the ghost hunters were like, okay, buddy, you do you. Bye. So he went up there and said that he didn't like the chair. Like to, He was just saying it in the room. It's I don't, ugly. It's gross. And then he said, I'm going to take the chair away and I'm going to smash it into a bunch what of pieces and turn it into firewood. Like, just to piss this thing off. That's very rude. So then after he said that, something shoved him onto the floor and he felt burning on his back. Uh-huh. And when he like took his shirt off to see what was going on on his back, there were massive welts that looked like big scratches across his whole back. Well, I don't know what the fuck he was expecting, but... I don't know what he was expecting either. Uh-huh. Apparently not that. So, <laughs> in the chapel, a.k.a. the old torture slash execution room. Oh, fantastic. This is the place where people get grabbed the most. Super. There are also a lot of strange lights and photos, a lot of unexplained noises, and there are especially spirits seen lingering in doorways. Sometimes they will scream at you. Mm. I imagine just like a... And then like... Ah! like That's... Truly terrible. <laughs> there's no good version of it, but no, that's the way there's I not. see it. And you somehow made it even worse for me. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know what I was picturing, but that was not good. Well, that's how I see it in the chapel. So, Thank you. That plus getting grabbed a lot are just like an, a recipe for why I won't be there. So um, there is one last spirit slash demon that deserves a second of attention. Um, his name's Elmo. Stop. Yeah, everyone's like, oh. <laughs> like, what are you, what part of my childhood are you about to ruin? So. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. Oh and he's gosh. named Elmo because he looks like a Muppet. Oh, so they named him Elmo they named after him. Elmo. Yeah. Oh, yes. God. Okay. Uh, so apparently he appears in photos, and sometimes when you're by yourself, he appears in the corner as a red glow in the shape of a Muppet. That's such a specific... You couldn't just see, like, a fuzzy shadow figure. It's like, oh, that's... Fuck Jim Hem- Henson right there. Yeah. Absolutely not. In many photos, there's a, uh, there's a quote. that A lot of people have gotten pictures of this Elmo thing. And so there's a quote um, that people say where, if you see the red glow in your pictures, Elmo's posing. Tickle me. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> and then a growl. Please don't touch me. Please don't touch me. <laughs> Please tickle me. (laughs) I hate this place. (laughs) No offense. (laughs) So apparently he's like, I imagine like a sorority squat from Elmo or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, This is, nope. Apparently. I was going to say, this is a college town. It is. Okay, well, you guys get the sorority squat. I think. You at least know someone who does the sorority squat in every picture. In my case, it's Elmo, so. (laughs) He is allegedly demonic. Let's just shift gears real quick. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Allegedly a demon. (laughs) Apparently, when after people have taken a picture of it, they immediately become very angry and violent. (laughs) Um, Which, like, I feel like if you have a Polaroid, like, that's the time to, like, really be waving that thing and be like, oh, who, Christine, are you Your pupils just dilate, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, exactly. Oh, God. Uh, Apparently, accidents also happen if you you see uh, him in a picture. Guests are pushed on the stairs. They have been forcefully struck with something that they can't see. Mm-hmm. Like a big fuzzy fist. 
<laughs> and apparently, there's another quote where... Are you... Are Q you is for quote. Yeah. I was like, are we doing a new skit? I don't know. Sesame Street? Uh, I don't get it. <laughs> apparently, if there's a cluster of three red dots... Uh-oh. There's three of them. There's oh, no. a whole Elmo family. Absolutely not. Fuck that. If there's a cluster of three red dots in one of your pictures, then you will begin to smell a rotten, decaying smell, and then all of your electronics will malfunction. That's it about Elmo. So That's terrible. <laughs> so none of it's really good. Um, also in the graveyard, because remember there are over 200 bodies buried there, including the two guards. Oh, I remember. Um, in the graveyard, objects apparently move on their own. Equipment fails, and now it is forbidden to even enter the area. In the old infirmary, the, there are gusts of wind and closed rooms, so there's no reason for there to be a draft or anything like that. People also hear disembodied moaning. They see orbs, and this happens to be the room with the highest chance of EMF reading. So if you're trying to do, like, uh, if you're trying to chat with the ghost. <laughs> As you the, do. <laughs> the best place to go. Mm -hmm. In the library, people have seen Helen gliding across the room. Super. And then objects fall to the floor and move on their own. Mm -mm. By the stairs, guests are shoved and their backs are slapped. <laughs> people have gotten, like, five stars on their back. Oh. You can hear, quote, wicked laughter. Oh, no. Uh, oh. <laughs> Elmo? I have literally, since you mentioned that stupid thing, been picturing it over my shoulder the entire time. Well. Uh, I hate, I hate this. <laughs> okay. Some also feel a small, so even though on the stairs a lot of people get shoved or slapped, apparently there's one out of the several ghosts that actually is trying to help you up the stairs. Okay. So probably gets a bad rep a lot every time you feel something. It's probably the same one tucking you in. It's probably. like nobody asked for this. She's like, I am carrying all the weight on my shoulders <laughs> trying to make this place nice. People often feel a small pressure on the small of their backs of their arms as if they're being guided up the stairs when they are climbing themselves. Nah, I don't love that. I don't like it, but I appreciate it more than getting smacked. Valid. <laughs> Valid. And then in the hole, um, people often feel nauseous. They feel like they're being watched. They feel breath down their necks. Mm -mm. They have seen glowing eyes, heard shuffling in the halls. Uh, they've also heard deranged babbling. Fantastic. They have heard growling. Um, please don't touch me. Yeah. <laughs> I will never forget. They've also heard crying and sounds of the cell doors being banged on. Um, shadow figures are frequently seen roaming the halls and to a point where tour guides have to often check to make sure they're not missing any guests. Oh, oh, there, no. There was one story of a tour guide like seeing someone running down the hall one way and then coming back and then running and running. And they'd be like, there's no running on this tour. And they went to count all the people in their in their group and everyone was there. Ew. And they were the only people in the, ew, ew, in ew, the jail. Ew, ew. People have caught over 100 different EVPs, um, many of which you can find online. And uh, visitors are most commonly reporting being scratched, having their hair pulled, or seeing apparitions following them. Uh, there is camera evidence of spirits walking through the jail at night and following people on their tours. And in cell 13, where the guy lit himself on fire, mm -hmm. people have walked in and immediately felt numb in their face and arms. Oh. And apparently he has actually appeared to people still on fire. Okay, okay. People have, so I told you I'd bring it back. People have also witnessed Miss Phoebe. Um, oh, wait, I miss her. 
Come back, girl. I miss her so much. Uh, people have seen her staring out of windows <laughs> in the administration office. Okay, well. And people have even seen her walking on the road between the house and <laughs> between her house She's and the like, jail. Not again. She's <laughs> She's still reporting people. <laughs> Poor Phoebe. There are even people who have said that they have seen her walking on the side of the road and have pulled over to see who she was because she was dressed in a very old fashion. Uh-oh. And she has asked to hitch a ride with them to the reformatory. And then when you go to either say yes or no and you look back up at her, she's gone. That's terrifying. Also, how does she... I feel like if you're in the... Anyway... I don't know. <laughs> I was just thinking, if you're from the 1890s, I would not get in like a car and like trust it. But apparently, she's she's watched yeah. technology evolve. I guess. <laughs> That's anyway, a really good point. That is the story of the Mansfield Reformatory. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, thank you guys. <sighs> All right. Hi, guys. Do you want to hear about crime stuff? Oh, good. Because it's too late. You're already here. So I last week I got really excited and I was like, oh, my gosh, I have the best story for Columbus. I've been saving this for ages. And I started doing the notes and I was like, none of the links are purple, which means I haven't clicked on them before, (laughs) which means I haven't done the story. And I did a control F on our stupid episode guide and I didn't see it. That's how I do it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Look, after 200 episodes, we don't like 100 episodes. We don't remember. We have no clue. So I did my notes and then somehow in my gut, I was like, oh, I should search our email to see if anyone has. I literally finished them, and I was like, oh, I should check our email, because maybe somebody has sent some interesting fun facts in. Um, and, yeah, drink. Uh, and <laughs> why not? And I saw a bunch of emails that were like, oh, yeah, like how you talked about in episode 68 about this topic. And I went, no, they must. Uh-oh. All 11 people must be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, they weren't. And so I will not be doing that story, so I did a new story. So the story that I was going to cover, which I did in episode 68, if you want to go listen to it, is the disappearance of Brian Schaefer. Yes. And for some godforsaken reason, I got just as amped and excited, and then I went back. I was like, there's no way. And I went back and listened, and I was like, well, I was in Columbus this weekend, so I'm going to do a story for Columbus, and it's about (laughs) Brian Schaefer. And I was like, I don't know. You're like, I hate myself. I hate myself. (laughs) And I think what happened is when I searched our little episode guide, you know, my name's Schieffer. I wrote it like that. It's not spelled that way. I think, <laughs> I think maybe that's what happened. So, oops, had to go back to the drawing board. Um, so I'm sorry about that, but episode 68, go check it out. <laughs> we uh, appreciate you doing the notes twice, though. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that was the most painful part. <laughs> I do, I appreciate that. Although it's very, very bad that I did the notes twice and somehow didn't remember that I had literally done the notes already. But thank you very much for the applause. Um, so anyway, I went back and did a new story. And this is the story of the Circleville letter writer. Ooh, okay. All right, I'll take it. I don't it. know what that is. Um, and I've actually known about this for a while. I'm very excited about this one. It's very weird um, and very creepy. So... Okay, let's fucking go. Let's hear it out, man. This was also... Oh, thanks, guys. (laughs) This was also kind of like an angry note-taking because I was like, I just did all these notes. Now I'm going to make these, like, extra good. So we'll see. Who are going to be, like, weirdly passive-aggressive notes, like, to yourself. Oh, yeah, okay. 25 miles. Mm. (laughs) So 25 miles from here... uh, (laughs) 
in is Brian Schaefer. <laughs> no. Oh, that would be a great ending to the story, though, if I found him. That would have been way cool. Yeah, I didn't find him. Um, right. I'm sorry. That was rude. <laughs> Just keep going. They'll forget. Cool. So at 25 miles from here in Circleville, Ohio. Yay. Uh, so remember how I covered the Watcher House in New Jersey? Yes. Okay. So if you listen to a recent episode, a recent, because I don't know which one it was, but I covered the Watcher House in New Jersey, probably one of the creepiest ones I've done. Well, this is actually its predecessor and is considered like the only other story that's kind of like the same pattern oh, yes. as the Watcher House. Oh, I'm so, good so job, excited. Ohio. Uh, yay. Congratulations. Congratulations. You, you did, did it. <laughs> you did it. First Elmo and now this. <laughs> Woo. Um, I want to give credit real quick to the lineup, the subreddit Unresolved Mysteries, which goes to my Apple Watch eight times a day. And if anyone's talking to me and I'm just going like this on my, that's why. Um, sorry, Mom. And historicmysteries.com. And my favorite murder who did a really good episode on this as well. So, and four people have heard of that. Okay, cool. So, right. We're going back to the 1970s. You remember. I do. Yes. Uh, what, a, what a good year. So in 1977, in Circleville, Ohio, um, school bus driver Mary Gillespie began receiving anonymous threatening letters postmarked from Columbus. The letters were written in this really creepy block font lettering that looks almost Zodiac-like, like just ooh. very, li- ooh, ah, very <laughs> uh, specifically lined up in grid form and all in capital letters, very spooky. Sounds very organized, though. Very organized. Part of me is, like, very impressed about like, that. Yes. I'd be like, ooh, grid-like, yeah, all right. N- to the millimeter. Yeah. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was it you? Oh, God. <laughs> Where were you in 1977? <laughs> uh, right, so this, these letters start coming, and they're written in this creepy block font, and the letters seem to know a lot about Mary's life and her family and how many children she had and what their names were and where they went to school, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So they, the letters also told her that her house was being watched. It said, quote, I know where you live. I've been observing your house, and I know how many children you have and what their names are. Oh, no. This is no joke. Please take it seriously. Like, take what seriously so far? Just that she's being watched? That I'm, yes. This okay. letter, this aggressive <laughs> letter. <laughs> I know you live there. Take this seriously. <laughs> I know you Holy have shit! four children. <laughs> That's true. I feel like that's what I would write my mother when I like was mad at her and I would like slide her a note and it was like, I am mad at you. Take this seriously. I, need, I want more candy. Take me serious. I mean it. Yeah. yeah I feel like it was a little bit childish. So far, so far I feel still safe. Yes. Yeah. Well, good luck. So the letter also accused Mary of having an affair with the local school superintendent whose name was Gordon Massey. And the letters warned her to come clean about her affair or else, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Uh-oh. No. That one, that one makes me feel less safe. A <laughs> little bit. So over the next few weeks, Mary received in more letters, all with similar accusations and more personal information about her life and her family. Um, at first, she hid them away, and she kept them kind of hidden from her family. She didn't want to freak anyone out. Um, she, was, she started growing more and more concerned, but kind of kept calm she was also a school bus driver by the way so she was always like around in the school district among children among students and she tried to keep calm and not cause panic right um especially in a small town but then one day 
uh, Mary's husband, Ron, also received a mysterious letter in the mail. Oh, boy. And this letter was also postmarked from Columbus, and it was a little more blunt, and it said to Ron that he had to put an end to Mary's affair with the school superintendent or he would die. Wait, what? What? So it's his right. job to stop his wife's affair on him or else his wife else who's cheating he will, will die. die. Oh, he will die. He will die. So it's like his fault if like he Correct. dies because his wife's cheating on him. Correct. This sounds right. You have okay. to remember the block lettering. Right, right, right. Right, right I hear you. So it didn't make any sense. So she's getting all these letters threatening her and she's like, I'm just going to put these aside. Then he gets a letter being like, well, she's not listening to me. So you have to end her affair or else you're going to die. That's and so much pressure. Like... <laughs> Like, yeah. First, first, I mean, first of all, if I found out that like I was being cheated on, like that's its own issue. And then right. it's like, now you deal with it or else you die. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm, I'm busy emotionally right now. I'm still grieving. Hold on. <laughs> so Mary, so Ron obviously approaches Mary and is like, what the fuck is this letter? And she's like, I am not having an affair. I am not cheating on you. Um, I have no idea what this letter is talking about, but of course, the gossip spread. It's not a huge town, so Mary's reputation was suddenly under attack. Uh, she continued to deny the, the affair, and she and Ron tried their best to ignore the threats and kind of move on with their lives. But then another letter showed up, and that letter read, it was also to Ron, addressed to Ron, the husband, and it said, Gillespie, you have had two weeks and you have done nothing. Admit the truth and inform the school board. If not, I will broadcast it on CB radio, posters, signs, and billboards until the truth comes out. Damn, but am I still going to die? <laughs> Good question. I'd be like, post it wherever, man. You're like, does the previous threat still stand or right, have right. we moved on? Per our previous conversation, <laughs> am I alive or am I not about to be alive? So in the letter it said, post it on CBS, and like a lot of people wrote it as like, oh, uh, I will share it on CBS. Turns out it meant, like, CB radio, like, CBs. Uh, but I was like, ooh, CBS, he has connections. No. It's like, damn, executive producer. Right. Okay. He meant he would literally get a walkie-talkie and say it <laughs> to some truck drivers. I is hear what you. he meant. Breaker, breaker. Breaker. <laughs> we know about truck driving. <laughs> That's all. Then I'd get on there and be like, um, here's the 411. So, like... I hope you're sitting down. Scandal! <laughs> Scandal! I hate you. <laughs> you know when my mom was like 10, she had like a radio name, like a truck. What was it? It was something like Bubblegum Pop Girl. I don't know. <laughs> Some stupid. It sounds like she an was, AIM she was 10. username. It was her version of a screen name, yeah. What was yours again? Oh, shit. Not in front of people. Um... I had the, f the first one was one of those like AOL made it for me. Like, cause oh, I was lame. Well, cause I, on the tennis team, I was the only left-handed person. So they just called me lefty. And then I really like SpongeBob. And oh, so right. I remember this. AOL created lefty sponge. So that just became my thing. I like that. Anyway, add me on AIM. <laughs> Catch you there in the middle of the night when there's nothing else to do. Don't worry. M has their away message up in Comic Sans, so <laughs> you won't be able to reach them With anyway. With squiggles and asterisks. Obviously. Mine still probably has, like, Green Day lyrics in it. Anyway, where are we? I don't know. A whole other planet, it seems. <laughs> Sorry. We're back. Okay. So Mary and Ron are like, okay, you can tell it on a walkie-talkie. That's okay. Tell, 
tell Lefty Sponge and Popsicle Girl or whatever the hell. <laughs> oh, uh, two generations of <laughs> awful, cringeworthy names. I don't. To be fair, I don't think I've ever heard of a cool AIM name in 2019. Like, right. I don't know that anyone's today is still. That's right. I'm always crazy. Four, four, four. Up. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> it was always with the Z. Thank you. <laughs> oh no. Okay. So right. So they were like, well. We're not going to tell anybody because we don't care if you broadcast it. And so instead, they only told three people. They told Ron's sister, Ron's sister's husband, so his brother-in-law, and his name was Paul Freshor, and then Paul's sister. So, uh, right, hold on. (laughs) Ron's sister and her husband, and then the husband's sister. Got it. Right, okay, okay, okay. So the brother-in-law was Paul Freshor. So the three of them come over, and the group tries to get to to the bottom of the whole thing. They tell them, like, listen, don't leave the room with this information, but we're trying to figure out who this is, who's threatening us. And at this point, all we know is that they decide, uh, so that Ron and Mary decide they think they know who the author of the letters is, and they decide the answer to the whole thing is to write a threatening letter back. No. (laughs) I I disagree. Yes. (laughs) Hindsight, right? Right. Yikes. So when I say back, it wasn't like the letters have a return address, but they had decided they thought they knew who it was, so they were like, we're just going to send that person threatening letters. It's a real risk. (laughs) Yeah. That's bold. Can you imagine? You're like, wait, I just saw you at the church fair. Why are you writing these mean (laughs) letters to me? In block letters. Yeah. (laughs) So they do. They they uh, They write four or five letters to this person. Um, and she explains, Mary explains, we thought we'd scare the guy. We sent him only four or five letters. (laughs) There was no violence in them or anything, just that we knew who he was and what he was doing, and then we sent him the letters. (laughs) Okay. Simple as that. Cool. Uh, so for a while, the letters actually stopped. So they stopped receiving letters, and they were like, okay, maybe we kind of like nipped this in the bud, and it worked. Things started to get back to normal, but then on August 19th, 1977... Uh, the phone rang at the Gillespie house and Ron answered and although his family never found out what was said or who was on the other line Ron flew into a fit of rage he told his children he was going out to confront the person who had written the letters he grabbed his pistol and he jumped in his truck and drove out of the driveway okay big leap from writing letters big leap (laughs) got it the phone rings this is step two Uh, however only minutes later Ron was found dead in his pickup truck. Minutes? Minutes. At the wow. Inter- at the intersection. Wow. Two, I think it was two intersections down the street from them. Uh, he had driven his car into a tree, and when the police investigated the crash, they noted that, strangely, Ron's gun had been fired once before the crash, although the bullet was never recovered. So they don't know what the hell happened between the house and there, but that his gun had been fired and then he was had been crashed into a tree and had passed away. But so they were, the sheriff was investigating this and then he suddenly changed his stance and declared that Ron's blood alcohol limit was one and a half times the legal limit, making it an accidental death. So they ruled it, checked it, accidental death. But his family and friends were like, he's never 
drunk alcohol. He doesn't drink at all. He's a teetotaler. Mm. And like we were with him that afternoon when he answered the phone, like he had absolutely not been drinking. A little fishy. Right. Um, So it was a little odd. But again, the sheriff said, oh, he was drunk. So case closed. So unfortunately, all this did was piss off the mysterious letter writer. Because he wanted to make a statement, and then the sheriff was like, case closed, it was an accident. Oh, I see. So the letter writer started to write letters all over the place to local Circleville residents, so not just uh, Mary, but everyone in town. And the letters all explained that Ron's death had been a cover-up, and that local citizens should not fault for the story that he had been drunk, that the sheriff had lied, and that he himself had killed Ron. Dun-dun-dun. Oh, okay. So one of the letters was even sent to Mary's daughter... Uh, at home and it continued so the letter that was sent to mary's daughter said your mother is having an affair with the school superintendent he's still on this thing again uh gordon massey i feel like at this point we don't care about that like there's it's like bigger fish to fry there are bigger (laughs) issues at hand right so her poor daughter gets his letter like your mom's having an affair with gordon massey and she's like i don't know what to do so Mary uh, sees this, and she finally breaks down and admits that, yes, she is having an affair with Gordon Ramsay. Or Gord- Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> but what a scandal! 411. Get your CB radio. I have a lot. Popsicle girl has a lot to Bubble say. Bubblegum girl, come on. Okay. Wow, My that bad. would really be, like, the plot twist of the century, wouldn't Ooh. it? Shit. I wish that was the story. It's not. Oh, well. Well, we're all going to imagine Gordon Ramsay now for the rest of the story. That could be fun. It could be a good screenplay. Eva, write that down. That might be good. (laughs) I'll work on it later. So, right. So she, (laughs) Gordon Ramsay, God damn it. Okay. So she does admit that, yes, she had been having an affair with Gordon Massey. However, she insists that their romance did not begin until after the letters had started coming, accusing her of being in an affair. Weird. She said, I didn't sleep with him until after Ron died. And everyone was like, you're it's like, well, someone's a fortune teller. Yeah. <laughs> someone's very bad at handwriting and also a fortune teller. So after that, the letters did not stop. They kept going. They continued to uh, arrive for her kids, her neighbors, uh, other circle of residents. Uh, the letters were incessant. And then one day, years later, in 1983, Mary was driving her school bus, and suddenly uh, signs start popping up along her school bus route. And she is finally fed up. She sees one that says something against her daughter and, like, threatens her daughter's life. So she gets off the bus, and she begins to rip down the sign. And as she starts to pull it down, she notices that it is attached to a string. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's really scary. So she sees the string, and she, like, freezes and kind of ducks out of the way. She follows the string to a hidden box, and when she kind of looks into the box, she notices that there is a gun pointing at her. And it was a booby trap where if you pulled the sign down a certain way, the gun would have shot directly at her height level into her head. So in front of the children, by the in way. In front of her school she's, bus. She's exactly. driving a school bus. Exactly. That's such a good and point. And then, like, th- how would they have gotten home? Yeah. <laughs> I know, like, not like in the, in the, I, I meant more in, like, the fucked up way of, like, how do they, what do they do at that point? CB radio. Oh, right, right. <laughs> Bubblegum girl, come in. Right. <laughs> Emergency. We need you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yes. 
terrible. So, I mean, fortunately, she was able to avoid it. She didn't pull the sign down the way that it would have triggered that was the booby trap. Literally dodged a bullet. Very, literally dodged a bullet. Yes, very exciting. I thought they were laughing at your pun. I don't know. I'm confused. But yeah, so she fortunately was not killed by it, but she obviously called the police and they took a look and the serial number on the gun was mostly rubbed off and yet they were still able to track the number down anyway. There were enough digits kind of left on the gun to track it down. And when they did track it down, they were shocked to discover that the gun belonged to none other than Ron's brother-in-law, Paul Freshour. One of the three guys that... Yep. Remember when I said his name four times? Yep. Just in case you forgot. Well, I'm learning your tricks too, Christine. <laughs> They're very subtle, so. Paul. Remember Paul? <laughs> I'm not going to say any of their other names except Paul. <laughs> so the gun belonged to Paul. Now, obviously, uh, when they asked Paul, he was like, oh my gosh, my gun was stolen so long ago, I have no idea how it got there. Uh-huh, and they were okay. like, what a weird coincidence. And he had also just recently gotten divorced from Ron's sister. But, believe it or not, he had an airtight alibi, and so it was extremely difficult for the police to go any further. Um, but obviously it was still his gun. But be- And because that was the only solid lead police had at this point, they talked Paul somehow into taking a handwriting test uh, in which they were basically like, here's the letter that they got. Now try to write it down in the same block letters. Okay. Like copy it down. Okay. Yeah, that's a good test, Great. right? Yeah. Can he just like intentionally not do, it wrong? do that? Yeah. You'd think. Well, okay. So when I was a, ch- a child on the school bus, also, uh-huh. listen, I, uh, I was kind of a butthead sometimes. Um, and my friend Alyssa was like making me mad. So I pretended I was like seven or eight and I pretended that she had um, a, valent- a secret Valentine and I <gasps> wrote her. A letter that said, I love you, Alyssa. And then I put it in her locker. Oh, my God. I know. It was mean. I know. It's and okay. And so on the bus, she, like, knew it was one of us. And so she made us all write it down. Like, she's like, everybody copy it down. And I was like, okay. And I, like, did it completely differently. And she's like, well, it can't be you. And I was like, obviously. <laughs> I don't know if she knows that. You're actually. so sneaky. Wow. You really really dodged that one this motherfucker failed it they were like oh my god your handwriting's very similar oh i did not see that coming i was eight and i passed this stupid test (laughs) that i invented i know i'm sorry i don't know if she knows that well she does maybe now well (laughs) anyway my bad That wasn't very nice of me. Um, So they were like, well, it looks like it's pretty similar, so we're going to arrest you anyway. Um, Literally just, I mean, they had the gun evidence, so that was a lot. But then that and the handwriting was enough to arrest him. So on October 24th, 1983, um, Paul went on trial for the attempted murder of Mary Gillespie. Although he was actually never charged with the threatening letters, uh, they became a crucial part of the evidence against him, and a handwriting expert testified that he was indeed the letter writer. Mary also testified that she believed he was the writer after his wife, who he had just divorced, uh, visited her with the same suspicion, like, shortly before she had found the booby trap, saying, like, I think maybe my ex is the one who had been writing these letters all along. Um, Paul's boss also testified that he was not at work on the day that the booby trap was found. Uh, Although Paul's fingers were not found on the letters, gun, or booby trap, a search of Paul's house also failed to turn up any more corroborating evidence, including ammunition or the gun or anything to write the letters or the signs 
Um, Mary Gillespie testified that shortly after their divorce, Paul's ex-wife Karen had said, uh, oh, I already said that. Shh. Eva, <laughs> cut that part out. I just wrote it again with more detail. Oops. <laughs> Why didn't I skip the you first one? You wrote it with one? passion is what you did. I told you I was very angry when I wrote these notes. Yeah. Okay, so Paul's ex-wife Karen confided in her that she believed Paul might have been the author of the letters. Um, and Paul's response was, so Paul, who's now in jail for this, his response was, if Karen really believed I'd done this, why did she never mention it in divorce court? Which is actually a very good point, because she, sure. they were going through like a nasty divorce. Um, years later, it was discovered that a key piece of evidence was withheld at trial, and that was that 20 minutes before Mary discovered the booby trap, another school bus driver who had been driving the same route reported seeing the same sign but seeing a yellow El Camino parked at that spot, along with a sandy-haired man who did not match Paul's description, um, he did match the description of another man that Karen, fresh hour, Paul's ex, had been dating at the time that she and Paul had gotten divorced. Ooh. Ah. And Paul did not own a yellow El Camino, but Karen's boyfriend did. Interesting. Shoe prints also were found at the scene, um, which did not at all match Paul's shoe size. Very odd as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Paul, again, had an alibi for most of the day. However, he never took the stand in his defense. Uh, although he proclaimed his innocence the entire time, he was convicted, and he was given the max sentence of 7 to 25 years. And he went to prison for it. So perhaps the most compelling evidence of all is that after Paul was sent to jail, the letters kept coming. <gasps> oh. Yikes. Oh, no. And there were hundreds of them now. What? And they were taunting, and they were saying, nice try. You didn't get me. And they were also postmarked from Columbus, which is not where he was in jail. Oh, no. And they, ma they made sure to check that nobody was coming to pick up the letters to bring them to a, you know, a post office to drop them off. So he was not writing the letters is basically the moral of the story. And he's still in jail? He's no, he well so he was in jail at this point when the letters kept okay, coming. Okay, okay. Um so this was and it was ninety miles away, so it was not him. Um so Sheriff Radcliffe became convinced that Paul was somehow sending the letters from prison, giving them to somebody who was driving them to Lima, Ohio, who was then mailing them. Um and so he was constant Lima, I know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not from this country. I can't make that excuse in Ohio. Shit. I didn't ever really leave Cincinnati. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Lima. Sure. Sure. Lima bean. That's what I meant. I was testing you. Okay. <laughs> so, right. So, um, da, da 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 So, right. So he is monitoring Paul day in, day out to see if he's somehow sending these letters. And in response... Paul is placed in solitary confinement because the sheriff is so pissed that he can't catch him sending the letters that he's like, fine, then I'll put you in solitary confinement. And Paul's just like, I'm not doing it. And I also don't own a yellow El Camino. I don't know what to tell you. I can't even imagine being him it's at terrible. this point. It's terrible. It's so sad. Um, so he was denied access to writing materials. Okay, sure. Uh, he was constantly monitors, and yet the, letter, the letters continued. Um, and even though the warden at the prison maintained it was impossible for Paul to be, be sending these letters, uh, he was denied parole at his first hearing because the sheriff was so convinced that it had been him and wanted someone to be in jail for the crime. And uh, that was in December 1990. 
A few days after he was denied parole, Paul himself received a letter at the jail. Oh, shit. The letter mocked him for being put away for a crime he didn't commit. (laughs) That's so fucked up. Paul Paul just can't get a break. At that point, I would just shrug and just, sure. Of course. At this point, it's like, well, sure, bring it on. Um, And the letter itself said, quote, now when are you going to believe you aren't going to get out of here? I told you two years ago, when we set them up, they stay set up. Don't you listen at all? And that was all the letter said. And he was like, I don't even know. Like, I just didn't do it. Um, so he ended up serving 10 years for attempted murder. Uh, he was oh eventually God. released in May of 1994. And by then, the reports of the letters had almost slowed to a stop. But they had been going on for years during the time he was in jail. Paul attempted to clear his name for years after his release. He wrote a letter to the FBI asking them to investigate Ron Gillespie's death in his truck. Uh, but nothing ever came of it, and unfortunately, he passed away in 2012, never having cleared his name. Very sad. Um, other suspects included the son of the superintendent, you know him, Mass Gordon Ramsay. Right, right. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Don't sue me. Okay. <laughs> As if Gordon Ramsay listens to this. Okay. Uh <laughs> Anyway, other suspects included the son of Gordon Massey, the superintendent uh, that Mary had confessed to having an affair with. Another suspect was a jealous coworker of who of hers who had been infatuated with her. So both of them could be likely had a motive of wanting to end the right. affair. Right, right, right. right. Um, and then another suspect was Ron Gillespie's sister, uh, the one who had uh, divorced Paul, mm-hmm. who had been dating the guy with the El Camino. And she was a suspect as well because uh, she had also tried to frame Ron after na- after the divorce and say, like, they ruined her relationship. And it was just a very nasty divorce that they had. So she was another kind of person of interest. Uh, six months after Paul's release from prison in 1994, uh, a journalist named Martin Yant did a story for Unsolved Mysteries in which he produced a number of theories, and none of them involved Paul. So... Like, he listed several, and he was like, it's just not Paul. He didn't do it. (laughs) Like, we can't even make up a way that Paul was the one who did it, which is so sad. Uh, That's awful. Yeah. While Unsolved Mysteries was working on the story, their office received an anonymous letter. Shut up. Yeah. And the letter was signed by the Circleville writer, and it read, (laughs) forget Circleville, Ohio. Do (laughs) I didn't say it. They did forget Circleville, Ohio. Do nothing to hurt Sheriff Ratcliffe. If you come to Ohio, you El Sickos will pay. Signed, the Circleville letter writer. So, Martin Yant, uh, he... He he was like, well, it definitely wasn't Paul, because Paul is dead now. Uh, Right. And the list of suspects that he had, there was never anything, there was never enough to kind of bring any of them to trial. And so, as of yet, the uh, case of the circle of a letter writer remains unsolved, but that is all I have for you guys today. That was awesome. And I, <laughs> I thought you were trying to hold my hand. I was like, oh, so nice. <laughs> but thank you. I'm sorry that I tried to do Brian Schaefer and then already did it. <sighs> Schaefer, is it? Oh, who knows? Good thing we didn't cover it. Um, <laughs> Good thing I never, ever did it in episode 68. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh, thank you guys so much for having us. And thank you. I'm so happy. 
I drank too much wine. I'm sorry. I was like, oh, we're, we're getting cozy again. I don't know. <laughs> we're having a good time. Thank you. Thank you, Columbus. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn this thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay.